What does it take to be a truly sustainable brand? And is zero waste in the beauty industry even possible? Let's find out. Welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Zakowitz, executive editor of WWD. And today we're welcoming guest host Shelly Sokol, who's the CEO and co-founder of One Rockwell. Shelly will be interviewing Shannon Goldberg, who's the chief zero waste officer at Izzy Zero Waste Beauty. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Arthur and WWD. We really appreciate you having us here today. Hi, Shannon. So lovely to see you. Um, as Arthur said, I am the CEO of One Rockwell. We are a leading e-commerce agency experienced in creative design and technical solutions for lifestyle, fashion, and beauty brands. Um, I get the opportunity to ask Shannon, um, who is a beauty veteran, um, a multitude of questions around sustainability and the launch of Izzy Zero Waste Beauty. Hi, Shannon. Nice to see Hi, you. Shannon. Good to see you, too. Um, you've been working in the beauty industry for over a decade. Can you, and for some of the greatest brands, can you tell me some of the biggest changes that you've seen recently, especially around sustainability, luxury, and beauty? Of course, yep. So when you think about beauty, two things really make up a beauty product. It's the packaging and the formula, the goop. And two of the most exciting shifts that I've seen recently is the shift into cleaner, non-toxic ingredients. People are really starting to pay attention to what they're putting into their bodies because let's face it, our skin is porous and we do absorb the ingredients we put on our skin. And then the second big thing that really excites me is the shift into sustainability and zero waste within packaging solutions. Um. I can understand that because I always say the two words that do they actually go together, beauty and luxury. And I think that we as consumers are so used to beauty being tied up in a beautiful bow and the containers and the packaging really made it feel luxurious. How do you feel Izzy is accomplishing that um, and providing not only sustainable products, um, zero waste, as well as a luxurious product that people want to keep coming back to? Yeah, that's it. That's a great question. So um, a few things. One, um, when launching Izzy, the goal was to really keep the idea of zero waste at the heart of the brand, at the center of the brand. And that really meant walking away from all of the traditional things that make up a luxury product. So you hit the nail on the head um, when you talk about packaging and the use of over-packaging and that you know, overproduction and ooh-la-la surprise, that dreaminess that we know when it comes to luxury. And also the weightiness of a product, how it smells, how it feels, how heavy it is. That's usually how we associate luxury in the beauty world. Um, for Izzy, it was a little bit of a different process where we had to reimagine what luxury would look like. Um, we walked away from uh, most outer packaging solutions, cardboard boxes, all the things that make up packaging and make something stand out. So what we decided to do is we packaged our, our formulas in a very heavy medical grade stainless steel. So I always say it's like the difference of holding a Rolex watch versus a Timex watch. Like you feel the luxury and the weight of a Rolex and you very much feel that with Izzy products. It's heavy, it feels luxurious, it's sturdy. There, these. Uh, the, our packaging is really meant to stand the test of time, but then also the luxury also comes in the performance of 
a product. So we wanted to make sure, you know, not only are we clean, zero waste and sustainable, but the actual performance of the, the products speak for themselves. So like our applicators, our brushes, our ingredients are all the most high end that you can find while still being sustainable and clean. I love that answer. You know, one of the things that was really interesting, you launched this during COVID and we, you know, we started to work together um, and we, you know, the model originally was, you know, D to C and that's where you started. There was a lot of solves that you had to um, work through going from a D to C, you know, going into a D to C model when everything, you know, it's like flipping something on its head that is in its essence wasteful. So when you had to approach this, you know, you had to not only think about the packaging and the luxury and the product and the goop, as you call it, but also what was the model that you looked to in order to establish this concept um, of zero waste from every aspect, the full 360? Yeah, that was really hard. I know I've said this before in interviews, but there's no... There was no other brand at the time really doing refills like Izzy, so it's not like we could borrow a ruler from another brand to measure our success. This this was a brand that we had to reimagine and pivot every step of the product development process. So that said, when I, you know, believe me, I tried. I have a marketing background, so I was like, let me do my you know competitive benchmarks and let's look at who else is doing this. But that was not the case with Izzy at all. Um, we decided, you know, let's as I mentioned before, let's walk away from cardboard, print, paper, collateral, plastic labels, all of that stuff. But and that that's that all that's all the heavy lifting on the supply chain on the back end. But where one Rockwell stepped in was. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, the, I was so beyond stressed approaching this brand for a few reasons. One is, we all know during COVID, there was a D2C explosion. How do you stand out amongst every other brand that's launching at the same time? How do you get people to trust your story and your process and change their entire consumer behavior with a brand like Izzy? Because we are so completely different from everyone else. But what your team did so beautifully is they really landed the plane on making Izzy easy, <laughs> which we play up a lot. So let's face it, everyone is super busy. The The market is very noisy right now. Your team did really like a flawless execution on making something really hard feel easy and helped our customers to navigate our website with ease, which felt hard in the beginning, especially because we are a membership brand. There's three different types of subscriptions. Um, your brand helped us to take a really complicated story and make it feel much easier to digest. So we leaned on your team quite a bit, as you know. You know, it's interesting that you said that because there's there was almost two types of communication. There was communication that you had to have with your consumer to get them to buy into this concept, to make it ease of, you know, ease of use. Um, you had to also talk to your vendors, you know, warehouses at that time, you know, really what, you know, most companies is they expect 20% returns. You're expecting 90% returns because that's part of the model. Right. So you had to not only talk to your third party vendors that had to be involved in this whole process, your production, your warehouses, how to handle that many returns, as well as your consumer and, you know, that relationship, as you said, you have memberships. So what is that, you know, responsibility of the consumer um, and their involvement and how did you communicate with them to make it one ease of use, but also something that they felt they were in intrinsically involved in? Of course, yeah. So I, here's one thing that I felt. Um, 
I, I want to be really candid here. I was a complete novice when it came to sustainability, um, climate change. I, I, I was a part of the problem for the last 16, 17 years. I wasn't thinking about my materials or my waste or anything like that, my carbon footprint. And the, the truth is, I feel like a lot of times on the news, you just have that you know, daunting message of it's code red for climate change. The world is ending. There's more plastic than fish in the ocean. And as a basic person, you're like, oh my gosh, what can I do about this? Like, here's the problem. Is there any solution? Like, can I take any steps today to make things better? And that's definitely how I felt. And my biggest goal for Izzy is like, how can we make this easy? How can we make it so that people are just clicking yes to subscribe? And the, like the biggest job on your end is to simply make sure that you're returning your products to us so we can clean and refill them over and over again. We, we were trying to follow business models that were actually working. So going back to competitive, it wasn't the normal competitive that you would look at, but we looked at product solutions and brands like Rent the Runway they make it really easy. Like, how can we look to them and sort of mimic what they're doing? We also looked at like the old Netflix model where, you know, the DVDs would come in your mailbox and then you put them back in your mailbox. And that was sort of what we felt would be easiest for Izzy. It's like, let's, you know, figure out a mailer that's prepaid that goes directly in your mailbox. So the client feels like they're doing their sustainable good deed of the day without really trying. And we're doing all of the heavy lifting on the back end. I wanted to make it easy and a, a very simple, sustainable swap that looks and feels like the everyday cosmetics that you're using day in and day out. Shannon, what was the, um, I mean, what was it like to actually launch the brand during the pandemic? Did you have like uh, an aha moment saying, okay, I have time and space to do this. I could follow, you know, um, you know, fo follow my my dream to, to you know launch my own brand. Like, what was what was the thinking, the impetus behind um, doing it during a pandemic? Yeah. So I I actually right six months before the pandemic, I was recruited to a national med spa brand in Tampa, Florida. I had just moved, somehow convinced my New Yorker husband to move from New York to Tampa, Florida, which was crazy in itself. And then go figure, six months after I convinced my family to move, I got furloughed from my role because in the med spa world, they were like, we are not touching the face. We're not doing skincare. We're going to walk away from all of those, you know, um, procedures. So for me, I, I was I was stuck and had no idea what I was going to do, yet alone find cosmetic work in Tampa, Florida, of all places. And, you know, I was in quarantine like everybody else. And I remember coming across this article, article from National Geographic that cited, in the beauty industry, we go through 120 billion units of unrecyclable plastic a year. And... I just felt so convicted in that moment. And it, it's on—it's like in those movies where you see your life flash before your eyes before you die. Like, that's how I felt. I, I, I looked at everything I was doing and was like, oh my goodness, we're horrible. <laughs> we're horrible in the beauty industry because when you think about deluxe beauty samples and all those like little chimey minis, they never get recycled. Um, that's a really scary fact. Like nothing under three inches by three inches actually gets recycled. And then I started thinking about like, oh man, let's, let's talk about like the very first lip gloss I ever used, my Bonnie Bell and Lip Smackers lip gloss as a kid. Like that's just sitting somewhere on this planet. It never goes away. It never degrades. So when you realize that's the problem, the solution becomes very clear. And it was something I wanted to chase immediately. So, so Shelly, what, um, you know, given that a lot of people's consumers' priorities changed during the pandemic, you know, people became more aware of, um, you know, wellness and their, their personal bodies. Um, was it easier to kind of, you know, develop a, a, the, the platform that 
kind of keys into that, or you still have to uh, think about you know generation like generational cohorts, their individual needs. Like, how does that work? Well, I think what you know, Izzy gave us an opportunity. Obviously, there was an explosion with D to C, so that was you know very good for our business um, because we were at the forefront of you know e-commerce and fashion and beauty, and so we had so much experience in that area. I think what you know when I talked to my team and what was so um, telling was that we had never done anything like this. Not and no company had ever done anything like this. This was, you know, Shannon came to us and as she said, she didn't have necessarily the benchmarks to look at. Well, we also didn't. We had to literally mean everything about D to C is wasteful. You know, the responsibility of the consumer after you put in your credit card, it's over. And the next thing that happens is carbon imprint, driving, shipping, boxes, packaging. And we had to really step back collaboratively with the Izzy team and Shannon and, and kind of basically throw everything out the door and say, okay, how do we approach this when there's no examples out there, really? And what I think is interesting about Izzy is that, you know, obviously a lot of beauty brands are going sustainable. A lot of beauty brands are doing refillables. This isn't, you know, we have Dries doing it. You know, there's a lot of new brands out there doing this, but what was different about Izzy is that she, whole concept was to shrink the carbon imprint, to shrink the process as small as it could get. So that meant how far she was, you know, I mean, Shannon can talk about this. And this is what I found so interesting when we spoke the other day was everything was to make it as small of an imprint on this earth as possible. And I think it's really interesting when you think about how she has created a 400 mile radius for production. And I think she could talk about that because I think that's when I look at all the other competitors and what you're seeing out there in the market, you know, Target's launching, um, you know, a, a whole, you know, um, sustainable products. But when you think about Izzy, I think it's really important to listen to Shannon and how she approached the entire process, not just it being vegan or gluten-free or sustainable or refillable. It was the whole model. So Shannon, I mean, I would love you to talk about that. Yeah, so um, it, this was exciting for me because I got the chance to like really start over every step of the way. So um, one, let's talk about the component for a minute. Um, we were actually inspired by dentists in the beginning. I, I we, you know, we asked ourselves, my co-founder and I, like, how do dentists and surgeons and even nail techs get away with using the same tool over and over again on people quite invasively, where there's like blood and like duck and bacteria involved, and and we we're like, they're they're doing it, and why can't we do it in beauty? You know, like the fact is, no one's really worked with stainless steel before in beauty. It's always, you know, the eco-friendly options out there are, are PCR plastic and cardboard solutions and, and aluminum, right? But no one ever turned to stainless steel, I guess, because it is pretty expensive, <laughs> which is where refills kick in. But the beauty of medical grade stainless steel is it can be washed and reused and refilled more than 10,000 times. We, our whole goal is to create a component once and never have to make it again. We'll never have to use up that energy to recreate the wheel because those products are already produced and they'll be around for the next 2,500 years. And I think perhaps the coolest thing about our brand is the components we have today can ultimately be handed down to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So that's the beauty of stainless steel. Um, we do use 94% less plastic, but the plastic wands and wipers and applicators that we do use actually get reground through our closed loop system and they're made new again. Um, and then the coolest thing is that even the water we use in our triple medical cleanse gets purified and reused, never dumped into 
into lakes or oceans. And then you also talked about our, our carbon footprint. Um, most people don't realize that, uh, you know, most of the time formulas come from somewhere like Italy. Your components come from China. Then they get assembled in New Jersey and then they ship to the retailers DC and then out to those retail locations and then to you. And it's like, holy moly, that, that one little mascara has traveled all the way around the world before it gets into your hands. And we are notorious for these, you know, mammoth carbon footprints in our industry. And it really was about like, how can we really shrink that? How small can it be? And it's not easy, um, especially for big brands, but for a small startup brand like Izzy, it is sort of like, all right, like, no problem. Like, yes, all of our vendors can exist between Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. That's not a problem. Um, if they can do, get the job done, then like, there's no need to go anywhere else. Um, but them and like through these things like that's how we got certified carbon neutral was like through that process um, and then the last thing is like taking away plastic labels there's no need for our components to have plastic labels because they can actually be engraved and because COVID made the QR code cool again we have QR codes on the bottom of all of our products that can be scanned and you know cover our butts when it comes to the FTC and the client gets to see all the directions how to use and ingredients all that good stuff um, and then our mailers, uh, we knocked on the door of the vendor of Rent the Runway and found their bag vendor, and who I love them. Shout out to Returnity, they're so smart. But we just made a mini cosmetic bag from them that was packaging free. Our components fit directly into these little elastic loops. And then from there, the bags get upcycled and are reused over and over and over again. So so I, I love the, the humble QR code approach is, is it's great to see that uh, in work. But it sounds like you kind of reverse engineer the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that that's not easy. So it's <laughs> it's like a Missy Elliott song, right? Like drop it and then reverse it. And that's what we had to do with this. Was like, all right. And that really stressed me out. I want to be honest because it's sort of it's second nature and beauty to map out your supply chain, but then to reverse it to get uh, yeah, it's like point A to point B, back to point A again, over and over and over again. So. Our poor operations team and one Rockwell, I'm sure, just are <laughs> going bonkers. But I think we all can go to bed at night knowing like this is the right thing to do. This is this is how we should be doing um, any consumable product. To be honest, I think that this is what was so impressive to me. You know, was this, you know, re, you know, like reversing the whole process. And you know, our team along with Shannon, you know, going to our vendors, and I'm going to do this in twofold, because it's also talking to the consumer, but also talking to our vendors, right? So you had to go to your vendors at the warehouses and all the different third parties that we use, and you had to say, we've got this new model. Can you believe in it? Can you get on board with it? Can you participate in it? Can you collaborate with us? You know, when it's completely opposite of every way you, you, you work or you think, and I think again, and I want Shannon to talk about this, is not only the responsibility of our technical partners, or our creative partners, but also the responsibility of the consumer that's being part of this process. And how, you have to think about, we have to communicate this. And how do you do it with becoming, you know, how many emails do we get every single day? And how much communication and overload? So how do you simplify this communication to your consumer that's buying your product and make it sexy? make it beauty, make it fun, you know, without overloading them. So I think it would be really interesting for me to hear, Shannon, how did you approach that with your consumer and, you know, getting them to buy into this? Yeah, so a few things. One was, it was really cool to finally figure out who the Izzy customer was. Um, Honestly, I thought it was gonna be Gen Z. I was like, oh, all the 18 to 25 year olds are gonna be all over this, this is so them. 
Um, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it turns out our client is really 35 to 65. She's, um, she's an affluent woman. She's an executive woman. She's a future retiree. She's someone who's looking for three things right now. Something to save her time, a brand that is telling the truth and is radically transparent, and a brand that she can trust. So this is a woman who subscribes to things like the Blue Apron food box. Maybe she's doing rebag and rent the runway, and she's certainly subscribing to Izzy. This is someone who needs their life automated and easy. Um, she's not, you know, I thought maybe she would fall into like the tree hugger, crunchy granola category, but she's not. This woman is looking for sustainable luxury, and that's really what we were trying to do with Izzy is like remove those stigmas of what a clean and sustainable brand looks and feels like. Like, why can't it be fast? fashionable and cool and luxurious and, and premium and performance driven plus zero waste. So it was again reimagining the brand from start to finish and vendor wise um, listen like we had no business even asking you to partner with us at One Rockwell. We couldn't afford you. We couldn't afford most of our vendors but I think the really the most beautiful thing is that everyone across the board was willing to lower their prices just to be a part of the Izzy dream and see it to fruition. Like that was probably the most humbling thing like I could cry talking about it is that people are like no no like we'll do smaller production runs for you. We'll lower our prices like this needs to happen and not only in the beauty world but cross industry like why can't the food industry take on Izzy or really any consumable and that's like that's like really seeing the dream like seeing beyond our stainless steel tube and realizing this is a movement and it's so much bigger than than just yeah. us right here today yeah like your know, toothpaste uh, shampoo everything I mean anything that comes in a bottle really right Right, right. You know, fragrance is a big thing that's happening right now. And I think the one thing, you know, I asked this to Shannon is that, you know, obviously this is a trend. Um, she's established a model from the inception. So from the very beginning, this model was set up in this way. Um, but I asked her the other day, you know, what sets you apart? What do you, you know, how, what about the competitors? What about some of the bigger, you know, beauty conglomerates and them getting into it? How does that affect your business? Um, so, you know, I think that it's a really, it's a big moment, but the question is, is how does Izzy either showcase this, you know, way that they've established their business um, and how do they stand out among some of the competitors that are getting into this, into this? I think it is going to be a journey. So when you look at clean, clean, that story has been told and has been popular probably for like the last five to six years, right? Like when you think about like Drunk Elephant when they came on the market and, and Tata Harbor. So the story has been around for actually quite a bit. It's just now gaining traction and still like let's look at the industry at large probably only like 35% of beauty brands are actually clean. So knowing that sustainability is like the next phase, I can only imagine how long this story is going to take to unfold. And let's, you know, like, let's just pretend that one day Izzy's bought by like a L'Oreal or an Estee Lauder. Even then, my, my guess is that only 20% of those brands could transition into the Izzy process. So knowing that this this is going to take a very long time to unfold it, it is one of those things where you have to trust the process trust the journey it'll happen eventually but also it's going to take people just your everyday people caring a whole awful lot and really like beginning to think and consider yeah. sustainable swaps so so my my 17 year old daughter she looks at me and she's like dad you you failed us as a generation uh on on you know on the climate front on, on right. everything um the environment so I mean, what you're doing is you're giving me hope that we, we could move the needle 
um, within her lifetime on really important, uh, you know, kind of issues. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. That's awesome to hear. Thank you. One of the other questions I, you know, wanted to talk to you is obviously you launched with mascara and there was a reason, because again, a lot of it was a, re you know, reaction to COVID. So I'd love to talk about why did you launch with mascara? But what's the next evolution as far as your product categories and also continue as you expand your product categories and, you know, what's your focus for that? Um, how do you still maintain this model as you expand? Okay. There was intention behind every, every moment within this brand launch. Mascara first because we launched in the middle of COVID. Masks were on. The eye category was high. I knew at least women would be ma wearing mascara still or, or eyebrow products, whatever it was. Um, so we, and we also wanted a three month, uh, we wanted to automate our refills every three months. Mascaras were easy to accomplish that because the fact is you should be changing out your clean mascara every three months to avoid bacteria buildup and microbial buildup and all of that stuff. Um, now, as COVID is sort of quieting down, we, we did just launch a glossy lip butter. It's non-sticky. Um, if you're wearing a mask, it doesn't transfer. But looking ahead, the idea is to produce a very curated, pared-down line of beauty essentials that you feel good about subscribing to, that you're okay to swap with. So it's like think mascara, eyebrow gels, um, lip gloss, things like that, just your everyday essentials. And then really we hope to turn Izzy into a lifestyle brand. So probably skincare is gonna be next when, you, when we're looking at 2023 new product development, but just very minimalistic, pared down. Again, knowing very well who our client is, she doesn't have a lot of time. She's not trying to put on 10 different eyeshadows to achieve the latest TikTok look. Like this is someone who's really trying to move through her regimen quickly and mindfully. Great. We, ha we have about five minutes left, uh, Shelly and Shannon. So, oh, no. um, <laughs> sure, no, the clock is ticking, but Shelly, okay. maybe you could ask one more question and then we could kind of just have some closing thoughts. Okay. I'm going to go back to something that you said and I brought up, which is, you know, what happens when the bigger companies get involved? And I look at, you know, kind of examples like, you know, Harry's and, you know, some of the disrupting disruptor, um, self-care products. And, you know, one of the things when you thought, when they eventually got bought was a lot of the reason they got bought was not, was obviously the product but the disruption and the way in which they did it um, and the data that they were able to get around their consumer. So when I think about, you know, obviously you've got a long trajectory of growth and there's a lot that you want to do before, obviously we go into something like that. But I guess to me, what would be, you know, interesting for, and I wonder if any of the bigger companies have come to you and asked you to say, how did you do this? You know, what, you know, how are you making this happen? Um, because it's, Yes, you've got an incredible product, but it's really the system that you've set up. And, you know, it's really hard for a big company with all the le you know, bureaucracy involved to be able to maneuver and move as fast and be as nimble and flexible. So the question I have for you is, you know, when you look at some of the bigger companies and if they were to try to do this, how would they, you know, how would they even break down their models to make it happen? Yeah, I think... Um... All right, the, the, I don't want this to sound any type of way, but I, I really think Izzy, our brand, has done the best job when it comes to sustainability because the other eco-friendly options out there right now are falling short. So PCR plastic can only be recycled once. 
that's a sad truth. I think it's been marketed as like it can be recycled three to four times, but the fact is only once. Um, all those beauty boxes out there doing sampling, like that needs to stop. We can't recycle any of that stuff. Cardboard solutions, stop. Like we're killing trees. The, the whole point of being eco-friendly is to stop that and, you know, forest devastation. Like what are we doing there? So it's really, it really does take someone to say, no, we're going to reimagine this entire thing. And, and that is not easy. So is he really easy? It's like, like turning a speedboat around. But then when you look at some someone like an SA Lauder or a L'Oreal or a P&G, like that's like turning a cruise ship around. Like the physicality of that is so much harder because it's turning a whole world around. But I do believe that if you can reduce sustainability down to one simple thing, it's the idea of creating something once and getting endless refills out of that one thing. So I think if we can all just adopt that way of thinking, that's that's step one. And it's going to be a journey, a very long journey for us. Maybe, maybe it is our children or maybe it's their children that are really gonna do this and do it well. But it's it's going to take a while, a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of labor. But but the consumer is behind you because it just makes total sense, right? Yeah, right, right, right. And I hope so. I, for me, I, I have to be honest. I wasn't. I when when we were dreaming up Izzy, I wasn't super excited because it just wasn't a way of behaving that I was used to. I did buy into all those luxury products and I loved the over packaging, but it all goes in the garbage. So it's like COVID really made us wake up. I think about a lot of things and like remember what is important in our life. And just going back to like something that we said, like it's true. Like there was an e-commerce boom the last couple of years, but also really sad point is the last couple of Black Fridays were the most polluted our earth has ever been. The, the amount of cardboard boxes and Amazon boxes showing up on our doorsteps day in and day out, like you cannot help but ignore that stuff. So it really is, it's about like waking up and just one step at a time, like changing your behavior. I, I think there's a, um, a reverse logistics company uh, that I think the data they have on product returns Mm -hmm. uh, not even the cardboard, but like 30% of what's returned ends up in a landfill because it costs too much money to, to process that and to put it back on the mm -hmm. shelf or back in the inventory. So it's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Can I say one thing that I thought was really interesting when we talked the other day? Um, and influencers, obviously, you know, TikTok influencers. And mm -hmm. Shannon and I were talking and, you know, she worked for a very well-known beauty brand prior to this. And we were talking about the packaging and the beauty and, you know, all this being so incredible. And she said that there was a really big aha moment when she was sending out all this product to different influencers and what they were then saying back to her about, you know, why are you sending me so much stuff? You know, what am I going to do with all this? And I think that that's an interesting story because I think the world is asking for this. We want to do this. We want to. We want to participate. We want to um, live a better, a better life and a more, you know, um, purpose-led life. Um, and you know, so I think that was something that I really thought was so cool is that you were getting that feedback from some of the influencers that were receiving this really hot product. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, really quickly, it, it's so funny when you're on the brand side, you're really in your own little bubble and your own little world. And like, we're so silly because we're like, yes, we're going to come up with this $500 influencer box that has a video inside and these people are going to keep it and put it on their shelves. How ridiculous is that? These influencers are receiving like 
50 boxes a week. Do you really think they're hanging on to all 50 of those boxes? And most of these people live in New York City and in LA. Like, let's just be real. Like, the average American, forget influencers, we go through three and a half pounds of garbage a day. Especially when you're a parent, you know that's even worse because it's like the kids' toys and all their food and, and crap. But it's like when you think about influencers, like how silly that we actually thought that they'd be they'd be hanging on to these overly expensive boxes. It's just not the truth. It's like even editors, like they're sick of receiving trash. People are sick of throwing things away. So it's just like we're we're all on the same page here. It's like just adopt this new behavior. Like it is better for the world. <laughs> so so as as a reporter and a writer, uh, I use pens a lot. So when you're ready. Uh, uh, both of you, but uh, I think we should get together uh, and invent an indestructible fountain pen that's mm -hmm. refillable so we don't use any plastic. So just let me know when you guys are ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the, the time that you guys spent here. Um, you know, we, uh, we have a sustainability forum actually coming up in uh, April 12th uh, in New York City. Mm -hmm. So if you want to check that out, uh, just go to www.com and look for the Fairchild Live tab for details. I think uh, Rachel Zoe is going to be taking the stage, and then we have people from uh, ThreadUp and Remake and Echo Age. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Please tune in. Again, uh, Shannon, thank you for your time. Shelly, thank you for being a guest host. You were great. Oh, and, uh, thank you, I, Arthur. I would love to have you back uh, again. So Anytime. Uh, all right. Thanks for joining I've got, us. I've got more brands. You have more really brands. exciting yeah. brands. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank, and, thank you. And thank you, listeners. And we'll uh, uh, tune in again. We'll have another interesting topic uh, in a few weeks. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What does it take to be a truly sustainable brand? And is zero waste in the beauty industry even possible? Let's find out.